Hello. <laughs> Hello. And uh, welcome to Fully Expressed. This is the intention is to be the most vulnerable podcast on the internet. Wow. You invited the right person. <laughs> I know. That's why you're here. I'm excited. I'm very excited for this conversation uh, with Rena Trevi uh, because, Rena, uh, you were the facilitator of possibly one of the most vulnerable experiences I've ever had in my life. And um, I'm definitely open to, to talking about that. And uh, also, I want to talk a lot about you and uh, your role as a vulnerability coach. Um, starting with, what do you do specifically that makes you a vulnerability coach? <sighs> I enjoy guiding people into their outside of their comfort zone, into their vulnerability. And it started a decade ago when I decided to become a professional dominatrix. And this is when I took a hardcore approach to this and just... Bring your mic a little closer, yeah. Closer. A little closer, yeah, yeah, there you go. And I just grabbed whips and chains and started torturing, humiliating people. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, why I'm doing, what is this whole thing about, why it's there. But there was something in me that was driving me to this, which at that time I didn't uh, recognize what what's the whole thing is about. And then it brought me to um, a moment of exploration, like thinking, why why people want this? What do they look from it? Like, what is the purpose of what we are doing? How does it affect their lives? And this is when I started ask about myself, huh? But I'm usually a nice person. <laughs> like, I'm such a good girl in relationships. Uh, what's going on? Why I have such a duality there? Why there is a part of me that wants to act out those desires, this fantasies, this sadism? And initially, I was even denying this because I thought that's what my clients want and I just get paid for it, but I'm a good girl, <laughs> I'm, I'm a good person. But then I recognized that, look, there is an urge in me to do those things. Why Why do I want this? So it would make me feel vulnerable being in this role of being someone who is like sometimes nasty, sometimes cruel. Um, and then, of course, it would bring my clients into very vulnerable places because they would go into their into feeling really weak and feeling very exposed and raw and emotional and that's what they wanted from this so i was really curious what is the reason for all of this and um, this is when my spiritual exploration has started because i started to travel to ashrams and um, workshops retreats uh, started studying lots of psychology spirituality everything mixed together all kinds of mysticism and that's slowly started to expose that, look, there is so much more than meets the eye. We're playing roles. We're having masks there. And underneath those masks, we have things that we avoid feeling. And those things are really fascinating. This is our unconscious mind, like our Jungian uh, terminology is our shadow, which has a lot of keys for who we really are, for our creativity, for our success, for being whole as a human, for being fulfilled and happy. So that's what brought me to explore this even deeper and to transform my practice as a dominatrix. I started to bring elements of symbolism, rituals, um, intentionality into play, elements of slowing down and breathing together, self-inquiry, and that slowly brought me more understanding of what is this thing about vulnerability for me and for my clients, and that really transformed me as a person, it transformed my practice, 
and I started to see that there are different pieces in us that we don't want to see because we have those masks that we want to play. Like men usually have to be strong and powerful at the same time, kind, never show any aggression. Women uh, like should also never show any aggression at all. Like women, good girls don't get angry. Good girls have to be good girls. We have to be <laughs> compliant, nice. This is very Russian conditioning too. Now women have to be very submissive. And that brought me to a lot of curiosity to see why I have those pieces that are um, acting out, like what is there. And I found a lot of treasure there. I found a lot of um, fuel for creativity and aliveness and lots of, lots of jewels there that changed me. I became more fulfilled, confident. My spiritual practices have blossomed. I started to recognize what this meditation is all about, how to be quiet inside. And lots of playfulness that I was repressing myself before, just trying to be nice and successful and do things right. And now I call myself vulnerability coach, which is the next stage after being a professional dominatrix. And it's different because the intentionality is different. When I practiced my work as a dominatrix, my clients were looking for some pleasure. And pleasure is addictive. You need more. Each time you come, you need more pleasure. And when you practice as a vulnerability coach, the treasure of it is the transformational potential. You go for insights, for breakthroughs, for learnings, for transformation, to connect to yourself to begin with before connecting to others. And this is what vulnerability work is all about, because right now I practice Shibari, which is one of the dimensions of BDSM. You can call it this way, but it's also an ancient art of torture that became more eroticized, and now it's an art of healing. Shibari is about healing and about vulnerability, about being bound and trapped, but at the same time having a safe container to be who you are. And I practice tantric massages, which is also another way to access this place. It's uh, for women, and it's also a way to access different blockages in your body, different feelings that have been repressed, and therefore expose the orgasmic potential. And I'm also coaching people and teaching online and in person. So that's that's a long answer to this question. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, myself just a few years ago, and I imagine many people listening would not have initially made the connection of a vulnerability coach and BDSM, Tantra, domination, eroticism. What is like some of the most common misconceptions about that work that you do? And why should people pay attention to that? Hmm. So BDSM is my past that's the way I got to this place where I am right now of course you can access vulnerability through so many different ways there are lots of amazing opportunities that life presents all the time to, for us to be vulnerable and to explore it um, and yet I find that BDSM is very potent playground because this is our sexuality and sexuality is like a very direct um, doorway into our subconscious mind and it has a lot of messages for us to understand. And people have fantasies, people have desires, and most of us are taught to be ashamed of desires which are a little different from normal penetrative sex, right? So we have lots of different fetishes, power exchange fantasies, role play fantasies. 
And most of us don't like that. They, we try to hide it. We are ashamed of it. And those of us who end up exploring them and enjoying them, they have the opposite issue. They can get addicted to that. They just like it so much. They just want to explore it again and again and again. Uh, so my work is to show the middle path that you don't have to be ashamed of it, but it's not the end goal just to fulfill your fantasy. Uh, my work is to show there is a lot of wisdom to get from it. So you are getting the learnings from it. You're understanding yourself through it. You connect to your partner in a more intimate way. And this is the goal of this exploration. And our fantasies have so much to teach us. It's incredible, like our desire to surrender, submit. Like we might have a kinky sounding fantasy. Like I want um, just my partner to just do whatever they want, ravish me, like spank me, um, just torture me, humiliate me in this way. And that sounds superficially, like it sounds very violent, very inappropriate, like something totally unspiritual. <laughs> <laughs> but if you look within, then you can see this is your deeper desire to surrender to life itself. Because life does it to us all the time. We get pain, we get humiliation in life, we get all kinds of um, unexpected situations that go out of control. And how do we treat it? Do we treat it in resistance and trying to control the situation, getting more stiff, getting more tensions in the body? Or can we actually surrender, welcome it, and learn from the situation? So by modeling the same situation in your bedroom, you can actually take it into your life itself. And similarly, you might have a fantasy about being a sadist, about taking advantage over someone, about just ravishing someone, calling some dirty names, and just doing something painful. And most of us feel like we are evil if we feel like doing those things. And we want to repress those things too, so because it's inappropriate, we better be nice people to each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is also a great opportunity to learn, because actually by having a safe space, to have boundaries, consent, and to explore those fantasies, we get to learn something really powerful that actually our fiery energy, our desire to destroy things, to do something inappropriate, it's actually our urge for freedom because we want to break the boundaries. We want to break everything that separates us from one another. We want to cut the bullshit like yeah. we want to just destroy all the nonsense of the world the mental constructs that separate us from truth all the rules that separate us from one another we want to break all of those obstacles and have a connection actually so it's really fascinating to see how both polarities they seem to have the same outcome the same like desire the same goal mm -hmm. and it's pretty fascinating because in the superficial la layer it's like one victim one aggressor but as we play those fantasies in a conscious way you see now we both want the same thing yeah. actually so it's a very deep and powerful way to explore ourselves if we take it in this level like if we take it in a conscious realm not just treating it uh, superficial and taking it for granted and judging it very superficially. Yeah. So I really enjoy guiding people into those zones so they can see how much beauty there is, like how precious those fantasies are. Yeah, y you do an amazing job of, of creating safety in the session that I experience. But what are some like really like key things that are important that if people wanted to explore this with their partners or by themselves, what are some of the key components of, of safety and communication and that allow people to actually open up a little bit to start letting this part in? 
Well, the, to begin with, uh, communication is extremely important in a relationship. Vulnerable communication is like really the key here because one thing is you can just be appropriate and communicate things in like business language. <laughs> but another thing is to actually show how you feel about this, which brings you to a place of feeling fears of being rejected, fear of being judged. So I feel like overall attitudes, positive attitude towards shadow work, this is what's important for this. When you are responsible for your own growth and your own triggers and you are welcoming vulnerability in your life, this is when it's much easier to talk about such things. And so that's why I feel like we don't, I don't want to narrow things down that this is only about BDSM and fantasy. I feel like it's much more holistic approach towards how do you generally perceive your vulnerability? Is this a threat for you? Or is it something that is welcome for you? How do you treat yourself when you're vulnerable? Do you hate yourself? Do you feel ashamed? Do you allow those feelings to take over and just feel confused? Or you actually find ways to use them for growth, to integrate them, to welcome them? And then how you treat yourself will actually show how you treat your partner. Because if you are welcoming those feelings in yourself, you will be able to hold the space for your partner and then your partner will trust you. So it creates a very beautiful, positive exchange. And I, my recommendation is first of all, start from a bigger picture and understand that shadow work is actually the key for our harmony and growth. And when uh, we start treating our own vulnerability with respect and we welcome it, this is when we are able to do the same with our partners. And then when it comes to explaining or communicating your desires to your partner, it's all about just exposing the truth. Um, I guess the practical recommendation would be just start from something easy. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go for the wildest uh, fantasy yeah. right away. <laughs> just start by small steps. Just yeah. share, look, I want to feel more submissive with you. Mm -hmm. Something like this without any naughty, crazy, <laughs> wild details. And then when your partner is accepting it and you feel good, you feel welcomed, you feel acknowledged, then you welcome more and it's not even about being fulfilled uh, in this realm by this partner actually just exposing and being accepted it's already enough that's what i see uh, among my clients and from my own experience just being able to be accepted in those fantasies is already incredible and then it's already the next step is actually planning it and making it happen and actually taking it into reality but just sharing and being felt and being understood and acknowledged it's really very intimate. Yeah. I feel like we need them. We need to have such opportunities to connect like this. And, and what are the thing like what's the thing that keeps people from doing this? Like I, I know for me it was absolutely like sexuality was completely suppressed in my life. And like what did you have to overcome? Like what was the shadow that you had to overcome to step into this role? And then like same thing with your clients, like what do you see them have to really face to to dive into this? I can completely relate. In my family, sexuality was really repressed. Post-Soviet time, being a woman there, slut-shaming, really, really repressed. And I had to do a lot of work for myself to overcome this. And that's I'm really glad that I did because I can help others now because I can see where it's all coming from and how to overcome. So I feel like the biggest fear is, is shame and fear of abandonment. Um, when I was a dom, I had most of my clients as, as males and who were not sharing this with their partners. Mm. And they would treat it as some dirty secret. Yeah. They would come to my dungeon <laughs> as something scary, dirty <laughs> that nobody should know, only pay cash, give fake name. Mm. Uh, that was like really, really hidden. 
and right now thank god i'm going a bit more to the peop to people who are more open and and it's becoming more conscious more um, something that people are not hiding as much so it feels great for me it feels great for them i can see the difference it doesn't feel good for anyone when it's something dirty and hidden and people just don't want to look at but that's the reality where li we live and if it's so repressed if it's so scary if it's considered such a taboo then this is how we end up acting because we are so sure that our partner will not accept it and maybe the other areas of relationships are working well being like a good mother being like a good um you know boss boss or the head of the household something like this so then we can think okay this part i can outsource somewhere else and yeah. i can just hide it <laughs> so but that's the situation and i really hope that it can change that's one of my missions to bring this to light mm -hmm. so the shadow is not treated as something necessarily perverted evil mm -hmm. dark it makes us a bad human but actually is welcome because it's a great opportunity for intimacy if someone can open up and be met mm -hmm. in this way it's incredible i can tell for myself i have lots of crazy fantasies out there and when i can share it and i feel like I'm not judged, mm -hmm. it feels incredible. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to come to reality, just being heard and not judged and understood feels amazing. So it's all about working on yourself to understand that different pieces of you are not necessary. Well, there is nothing evil in us, there is nothing wrong in us. It's just things that we run away from, they become kind of demonized. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you expose those things to light and when you first of all respect and understand yourself, and then others do it to you. It's really, it feels incredible. Mm. So this is the way I recommend is just to start from yourself and really yeah. understand that there is nothing wrong about what you fantasize, what you want, your desires, your sexuality. There is nothing, 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 nothing that is actually <laughs> wrong there. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. Do you still face edges for yourself? Yes. Yeah. It's a never-ending path. <laughs> um, of course, also my conditioning is really deeply <laughs> wounded as far as com when it comes to uh, sexuality and all my family was trying every possible way to repress it everyone there and uh, of course it's not something that gets resolved like this of course the change that i have now is really tremendous but i g get to meet some edges here and there some things that are scary for me to try some things that i feel really vulnerable about and i welcome it i don't feel overwhelmed or threatened i'm actually really curious to explore like wow this is the area which feels uncomfortable for me oh my god i feel ashamed here oh my god this provokes fears and then i feel actually now i'm feeling more a new conditioning in me that i'd like to dive in i like to explore yeah, I, I love the word curiosity. That has been like my magic word for any time I feel like discomfort is making it light by being curious. And curiosity is like removes a lot of the judgment from it, either my own judgment or fear of judgment from other people. And just like getting curious about the sensation, this emotion, this desire, this fantasy. Um, what are um, what are some of the things because you're, you're here in Austin because you just you just actually did a, a week-long course here and you said a lot came up before we pressed record yes. um, what are some of the things you're currently getting curious about for yourself that have that have shown up for you 
I like to explore my limiting beliefs and uh, my projections into others. So I like to understand like why I I have sabotaged myself on the past. Like sometimes I feel like I know what I want, but something keeps stops keeps stopping me. And also how I get in some patterns in relationship where I feel like I want to change the other person, and I feel like the other person is doing something wrong, and it shouldn't be like this, and it triggers me in the in the automatic desire like that person shouldn't act like this and so um, I like to have opportunities to dive into myself and meet myself in those places where I didn't see myself yet and of course shibari is one of the ways tantric massages are great ways but there are so many Mm -hmm. and one of the retreat that I went was about NLP and hypnotherapy and other quantum time techniques are different techniques that are helpful in accessing those like those hidden <laughs> mystical areas <laughs> within us that are actually we don't want to look there because it feels painful mm-hmm. it feels like it can overwhelm to the point of going insane and something will be broken and you're just not going to survive that's the fear that mm-hmm. stops us from going there so i feel like it's a great opportunity to have some kind of retreats get away practices something that will h- actually assist us in having the safe container to go there when we know that this is the time this is the safe space i'm being held i'm being protected i'm surrounded by right people in the right place and this is when it feels safe to start going there and you also use some methods right it's good to not just blindly dissolve in all this (laughs) wild emotional turmoils but actually have certain method that you work with like meditation that could be focusing on body sensation on your breath but there are some methods that are more mental in a way that you you create a mental structure on how to access those zones and how to get learnings from them and how to let go of them so that was the training this time and NLP and hypnotherapy and um, quantum time techniques were more cerebral kind of initially ways but they would take me really for far inside and I'm really fascinated to now know those methods myself so I can offer them to my clients mm-hmm. but also my own transformation was great because I got to really see how much I wanted the world to change according to me yeah in a way that I felt insecure mm. and I would rather change the world than other people uh-huh. and then I was able to dive in see my mother projections father projections different times in childhood that I didn't feel safe so there would be some fear still lingering in me about things so I would try to hold on to things in life not checking my time before I can let go of something old so mm-hmm. because of some unresolved childhood traumas mm-hmm. and similarly with belief systems like one of my limiting beliefs was that spirituality and money are the opposites um, because I had an uh, Eastern background in my spiritual practices. I, was, I would go in ashrams, India, Asia, give up the world, stay. <laughs> in Abandon sp- all material things. Yes, <laughs> yeah, stay like in um, communities where you kind of do exchanges, you know, you cook there and then you get some spiritual practice time. And that was great. Mm-hmm. But then the limiting belief was underneath it that actually if you go into you know, becoming creative, becoming successful entrepreneur, then you are 
becoming one of those greedy, manipulative salespeople who is, doesn't care about human soul, human spirit, but only wants to get things. So, and it was also Russian conditioning because I grew up <laughs> in post-Soviet Russia where sales just became possible and all the, and that went wild. That yeah. was like very intense energy of constantly like fighting to achieve things. Uh, and I was really amazing to work through it because mm -hmm. I didn't even realize I had such strong blocks in me about this and that's how I would sabotage my growth as far as career, entrepreneurships and just generally anything that connected to money and sales would be like trigger for me. Like, no, that's not my thing. Somebody else should do it. Mm -hmm. I can do my practices, but not that. So it's interesting to... Um, explore sexuality is something that embraces everything yeah uh, sexuality spirituality uh, money everything can be as one not right. as some fragmented pieces that are fighting with each other that are opposites yeah that was something that uh i have a, a like a modern sp a modern spiritual teacher he's he's almost like encouraged me to go down the ego road the, the materialistic road he's like that will be the thing that will dig up what's in your way he's like when you avoid it you're actually avoiding that part of yourself you're you're those things are coming out in judgments of others and and judging people for having money in this and you're actually just limiting your growth because you're not diving into them and that's actually one of the reasons why i i reached out to you and decided to go through that is because it was an area that i noticed i was just avoiding like i was Anytime I felt uncomfortable in sexuality, I would just be like, that's not for me. Or, mm -hmm. and, and I, like my mind, because I believe I'm all conscious and everything, I was just like, oh, I don't judge them, but it's just not for me. But it was something I hadn't actually explored. So at, in a way, I really was judging them. I was judging myself and judging them um, without really understanding it at all. Mm -hmm. And like where I sit now after the experience with you and, and, and many since then and a few before that is just like, wow, like I have no idea what I don't like all the things that I don't know and that I've closed myself off to all the experiences, all the learnings that are possible. And I, I just use that as a guide for myself now. It's like anytime I feel discomfort, anytime I feel myself leaning away from something, it's like, oh, there's something there for me to explore and go deeper into. Yes, that's actually Carl Jung who was saying, like, if something scares you, look into that. Mm -hmm. Is is that what, uh, uh, tangent a little bit, because I'm actually really curious about that. Is that what led you to, like, extreme sports? Because I know you do that as well, which is just complete tangent. <laughs> yes, that was a wild ride with extreme sports. It started when I was 16, and I was just very depressed as a teenager. I was bullied in school. I was not welcomed at home. I just didn't know what to do with myself. Life was so meaningless. And there was some urge for me, like, it's like this fire energy. I want to just break through this. I don't like the living, to live in a world like this, but I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any even psychologists or counseling or any kind of help. Like, there was nothing available at that time in Russia. My family was just as ignorant as miserable. Mm -hmm. My school things were not flowing so easily. Um, and then I just, it just found me. I was walking on the sides of this city where I live, just being lonely and just wandering around. And I saw white parachutes in the sky. That was like 
that's it. Mm. It was like a fear, but excitement that something is there for me. I want that. I want that. And I just go there. I was 15. They say, oh, you're just too young. Come back again. And I started coming back. Like, that became my hope. Like, there was something I was looking into. There was a sense that something will be reborn something will be renewed it was really scary but it was not really like suicide because i knew i can i will survive it and yet it felt for me like some kind of inner suicide mm-hmm. so um, that's what drove me to skydive and i did my first skydive when i was 16 my family was against it but <laughs> I, I don't care i will do it anyway <laughs> and i went for it and it was so scary like looking down from this airplane like having this giant military white, like a white uh, round parachute behind me. Like I was like a little girl with a just giant parachute <laughs> right there. <laughs> and I had to just throw myself off that airplane and pull the ring. Like, wow, that was insanely scary. I was you went by yourself on your first jump? There was no option of <laughs> tandems in Russia. That's Russia. Of course. We do it the tough way. You, know? yeah. you don't look for easy ways out. You just do it by yourself, military yeah. way. Mm-hmm. And yeah i went through a major night of my soul right on those airplane like and that's when even there i started getting glimpses like wow this i could see this kids bullying me in school like it doesn't matter mm. and i could see my family like not being so welcoming doesn't matter like it's life this very moment is so precious and i finally once i jumped and i counted to three i opened my parachute and it was like white canopy right above me and it was such a feeling of peace and bliss and feeling that everything is just right, everything is beautiful, life is beautiful. And that's when it started for me. I started to go deeper into extreme sports ever since. And just like any realm where you get addicted to one method, you need to intensify it mm-hmm. because the same skydive wouldn't do this for me. Yeah. I would have to do something more scary. That's how base jumping came into play. I would jump off objects with parachutes. And then wingsuit base is when you fly off the mountains with parachutes. But if you jump off objects in the United States, then there is another element of danger. Rangers are chasing you, police chasing you. <laughs> and then you want to get away from that because you want to become a citizen here. So <laughs> it's not going to work if you have criminal records. So it was... Yeah, pull up a little bit, yeah. Yep, Just like this. Yeah. <laughs> like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm touching it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the element of danger of running away from police and rangers <laughs> and jumping off those objects at nighttime, wow. like that was really um, um, incredible journey. Like it's definitely scary. Then you see friends dying on the way. Then you start questioning life and death because somehow it's so scary that the sport kills people at the same time. That's what brings the element of risk and fear, and that's what brings this element of transformation, knowing that death is right there. And that would bring more meaning to the relationships with those friends, because you know that one of them can die at any moment, and I can be the next one. So that would bring more closeness to us, more intimacy, more like we don't have time to waste. We have, we want to get as intimate to each other right now, because you never know what's going to happen and how everybody feels even on the edge because initially you can think this person is some superstar from Hollywood and I'm just a little girl from Russia and then we would stay there before the jump and we look at each other and we are the same so it was a lot of beautiful moments that I had during my extreme sports and I 
continue not as intensely now. Mm -hmm. I already had enough fractures, enough friends lost. <laughs> and I know there is a reason for me to do the sports, which is to connect to something meaningful through facing fears. And I can uh, do it just by diving within myself. I don't have to jump off an object in some faraway <laughs> land. I can <laughs> just go through some shadow work meditation practice and meet my fears. Uh, yeah, the fear's the same, <laughs> no matter what brings it. And in <laughs> fact, actually, doing extreme sports can be a way to escape yourself, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. after knowing so many um, extreme sport athletes, I recognize most of them are some of the most anxious people I knew. They're avoiding, yeah. Because this is their way to be heroes, so they can avoid yeah. facing their fears. Mm -hmm. So it's like externally, you create an image of being really cool. So that's like so many tricky ways our minds are taking us away from yeah. ourselves. So... It's all about and bringing more understanding to why you do those things so you don't go on this route of creating some false image and avoiding facing who you really are. Um, but I still don't deny extreme sports. I think that's great. I like to still practice skydiving and I do free diving these days as my favorite sport yeah. because first of all it's safer. <laughs> Second, it's all about surrender because uh, in free diving you don't achieve depth by pushing through; you achieve depth by letting go. Yeah, and that's the skill that seems to be needed in this world right now because we are so conditioned to fight, to push through, to go on this fight or flight energy, to keep working harder, doing things, pushing more, trying hard. And letting go is something that really seems to be missing elements now yeah. for many people. And part of my work is to teach people how to let go. And free diving, I became a free diving, so free diving instructor, so I can teach others how to let go in this way. Because just going down underwater, pulling yourself on the rope, it's really easy physically, technically. Equalizing also, like there is technique, you learn it quickly. It's not a big deal to learn the technicalities of it. And it's relatively safe because you have to push yourself really hard to get yourself endangered. Actually, free diving is extremely safe sport. But the trouble there is how you surrender mm -hmm. because it's your mind that yeah. actually blocks your way down. It's your mind that keeps you stuck and that your mind that has some wrong spirals of thoughts that are going through which make your body tense and you cannot mm -hmm. surrender and you keep getting stuck mm -hmm. in the same place so it's a very meditative experience H have you noticed anything like um special or like a commonality around people that get to that point and they're able to surrender and let go versus the ones that get to that point and they don't it good question <laughs> Very interesting question. Commonality about those who get stuck and those who can surrender. <sighs> Actually, this is like a very mystical point. Mm. You know, it's like you would want to learn the um, strategy to surrender. Mm -hmm. And we also try it for ourselves, right? Because uh, there is going to be, for example, a psychedelic journey when we fight, 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 and there comes a breakthrough and we surrender. And then you'll learn it, and then, aha, now I know how to surrender. <laughs> and guess what? Next time you bring it to the experience, the same method doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's so different. And that's kind of the moment of deeper surrender. <laughs> You're like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to surrender, <laughs> but it doesn't work now. What to do? Yeah. And it's like you have to learn it every moment. Mm. And that's so fascinating about life and so humbling. Because <laughs> you want to take control in the surrender. 
<laughs> so you know how to control surrender, but you cannot. So it's also a fascinating thing about teaching others, like guiding people in ropes. Like there is no one way to help somebody to let go. It's my job to assist them, create safe space and guide them in the place of surrendering. And for some people, it's about being brutal with them, mm -hmm. sadistic. But with others, it's about being nurturing mother. Mm -hmm. With others, it's about being playful. And the only way I know how is by not knowing and just surrendering to the flow. Yeah. So, so you I literally have to surrender. I to have to knowing. surrender to not knowing, to the state of... And you kind of grasp it at some point not mentally yeah. it's just when you repeat the same thing in a certain state of being mm -hmm. you kind of grasp that state as the your working functioning yeah. proper uh, appropriate states and then it works so uh, that's i guess if i would have to answer this question in a more practical way it's like when you are getting tuned in to a certain state of being and by being deeper and deeper tuned into the state of being, you are able to access it easier with time. Yeah. And I think those, those are the kind of people that are having easier time letting go when they have a regular practice of surrendering to the state of flow, state of being, state of calmness, state of letting go. Mm -hmm. If someone is so used to pushing through things, for those people, the conditioning is going to be not on their side. Yeah. Yeah, and also, th like, the way I think about it is, like we said, every journey, every experience is, is a different way to get there. But it also feels like depths, too. There's, like, a depth to surrender. Like, we can surrender at a certain depth, and that's just what we're ready for right then and there. Yeah. Um, and uh, my, my I wanted to share my experience with you was, and I've shared this with friends, um, but it, admittedly, I actually had an edge around sharing it publicly which until this airs, I haven't really talked about it publicly. And uh, you and another mutual friend of ours encouraged me to share more openly about this mm. because I imagine so many people would resonate with um, this story. And, and when I was with you, what I was going to say was it was the most uh, surrendered, relaxed I'd felt my physical body and, and therefore my my internal world, even with psychedelics, even with a lot of the deep work that I do, um, what is it about, because you have a special gift for sure, what is it about the ropes though that make surrender and like that relaxation like so possible? There is something very primal about that mm, yeah. as you feel trapped. And when your physical body gets trapped, it creates a certain ex response in your psyche that this is it. There's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. And I believe uh, there can be different philosophies around that, of course. And there are lots of different opinions uh, that how it comes from the time when it was uh, art of torture in Japan, like how that would provoke a certain feeling of shame among prisoners. So there would be some rituals around like capturing prisoners, tying them in very intricate ways. So they look really beautiful in their way that the rope is there, but at the same time so exposed, so vulnerable, so ashamed and so publicly like exposed. So that would, that's the history of Shibari. But the way I also look at it is when someone is like totally trapped, like imagine in the primal kind of situation when the predator caught someone, mm -hmm. caught the victim, and then victim can struggle, but then they know this is it. 
it, there is yeah. no way to like go to to get away and then it's when there is no longer fight when you know that you are so trapped there is no way to get out there is no escape no solution no tricks nothing nothing this is when our bodies probably still have this evolutionary potential okay i give up this yeah. is it and when you give up the struggle is over and this is when you just in this total relaxed stage just do anything you want to me yeah. and in fact there is also from the history of torture uh, real real torture when people were uh, tortured to give some information then the, the strategies there is to keep torturing them until the information is given but there comes a point sometimes it happens that the information is not given it's not given and then the person who is tortured goes in this very like drunk i don't care anymore state and that's there is no point to torture them anymore. You either let them go or kill them because they're not going to share because then the struggle is over. They just took the worst case scenario. Except like what can be worse, mm -hmm. right? You're already tortured. You're already almost killed. And then you just give up. Mm -hmm. And then once you give up, you go in this state that is total bliss that you just don't care mm -hmm. what the other person will do to you. Mm -hmm. You embrace all your feelings. You just surrender. You just give up and you feel like total oneness with everything regardless of the worst case scenario circumstance. Yeah. So imagine if you just meditated in the Himalayas and you feel one with the universe, mm -hmm. but being tortured and feel one, that's like a whole next level when just nothing can kill your peace of being. Yeah. So there is something about ropes when you get in this place that this is it, I'm totally captured, there's nothing I can do, I just give up. I just give up. And this is what brings the state of bliss, relaxation. You can process your emotions so quickly, so easily. You can let go in the tears. You can go, let go in laughter, rage. Like you can say things that are inappropriate. You just let yourself be exactly how you want to be this moment. And that feels so incredibly liberating. And ropes just create this container of being trapped, being helpless, and yet you are contained. Yeah. to feel everything. Yeah. And I, I think there's something special. This just came to me. Um, there's something special about it being done at the hand of another human. Because mm -hmm. I, um, I've, I've feared for and accepted death three times in my life. One was a really bad car accident where a car rolled and it went, in a moment everything slowed down and I was just like, this is it. And my body relaxed and no injuries from that. The second one was I was held under by a wave and didn't think I was at, it felt like eternity that I wasn't going to come up. And then the other one was I was charged by a grizzly and all of those felt like they were out of my control. Um, but when I was with you, there was like a level of acceptance because I had never experienced that like from a hand of another person where I literally felt helpless and I, I had those moments where it would come up where I would fight and I, w I was in struggle. And then I had to just let go of like, mm -hmm. there's nothing I can do right now. And that for me was extremely powerful. And I, I see, not, not even to bring in current events, but like so many people walk around like being afraid of other humans. They are afraid of like things happening in their world. And I think there was something really powerful about um, accepting and surrendering to another person that has allowed me to be so much more vulnerable in my relationships. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's almost, it was like, uh, it like showed me how 
like the way that even some psychedelics experience show you how to feel yes. a certain way or show you a path showed me how to surrender in the presence of another person. I think I remember telling you that was one of my intentions going into it. Wow, thank you for sharing. That's another layer of it because, of course, you can find lots of different meaningful angles to look at Shivari and surrendering to another person and really trusting your life too because in the way you're hanging upside down. Yeah. <laughs> things can go terribly <laughs> my, my wrong. My neck and I was hanging and I was and like... You just <laughs> trust and yeah. you just trust and that's a great model for <laughs> trusting. Even when things go wrong, you trust. Like even things go completely off, you trust because just the state of trust brings... I mean, it just resisting there is not going to help if yeah. you don't trust. So that's a really beautiful way to learn it. I can see that as well. Yeah. How you can trust other people when you get this such a deep experience of trusting in the worst case scenario, still trusting mm -hmm. in the most challenging when you're tortured and hurt and you're still trusting, yeah. struggling and you're still trusting. Wow. Yes, it's beautiful to hear this. Mm. Yeah, I, I had like a bit of light. There was a bit of lightness to it as well because I had a moment that came up was like, shit, if I die here and my family finds out this and my friends, I was like, ah, and then I had to accept. I was like, all right, I chose to do this. Okay, uh, accept the risks. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be the thing that, uh, yeah. It's it's usually there. Everyone remembers like a last thought before letting go. Uh -huh. It's really common. <laughs> I, I get it from myself too because I have a great master who offers me Shibari journeys, and I learn from him. I do like a journey with him once or twice a year. Each time, it's very special. And uh, it's there's always like the mind resistance starts at the beginning, <laughs> and usually the last thought like why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. <laughs> why can't I just make love to someone <laughs> instead of being tortured here? <laughs> why can't I just cuddle? Why can't yeah. we just go have dinner? Why do we have to do this yeah. weird thing? And that can be usually like the last thought. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of surrender, and because your mind gives up, gives up. There is no sense yeah. here. It just doesn't make sense for your rational mind why would you do this to yourself so it's really amazing it's like zen buddhist situation when you are uh, inquiring what's the sound of one hand clap because it doesn't make sense for your mind there is no one one hand clap so you meditate on this koan you can ask yourself again and again and again until your mind goes like okay i'm on vacation i'm out of here i cannot answer this and, and, and shivari seems to be the same because the situation just doesn't make sense to your mind like why would you do this thing <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy like why would you do it and your mind gives up mm -hmm. and that's when your critical faculty is on vacation and you just can feel things that's so amazing how we kind of look the escape from ourselves, right yeah our critical faculty our mind is there to protect us but yet so much life is trapped inside of us because of it yeah well i didn't even put that together until you said that about the the clap one of my mentors he studies zen buddhism and he said when they were studying they would just sit in a room and the master would come in they would write an unanswerable question on the whiteboard and they would just sit there all day and ponder and i didn't even like i didn't even put together like that's what was happening it's like you're literally thinking yourself to exhaustion Whoa. Your mind can give up quickly and just, I don't know, I'm out. But mm -hmm. you can struggle for some time mm -hmm. and then give up. 
Yeah. And you'd be surprised in rope journeys. I felt like you were a great example because you gave up pretty quickly. <laughs> 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 you didn't struggle. It was pretty easy for you. Yeah. But there are mm-hmm. people who are struggling until the end. Mm-hmm. And of course, it makes my work a bit more challenging. And um, yet I, I still have to flow, surrender. Mm-hmm. Even that, I cannot have judgment about, oh, this person is not good. <laughs> like yeah. He's not going to give up. No, I, I just keep flowing regardless even if i feel a struggle i feel the struggle with them if even if i if what happens the whole session they just don't give up that's the way it's meant that's to be it's meant to be so yeah. it's really an amazing opportunity for me also to give up idea what a successful journey for me mm-hmm. you know because i also need to surrender because if i have some agenda that i want to bring this person to this place then it's going to be contaminated with my own needs yeah. So it's really I keep on learning about surrender by giving others surrender because if I have some a need for a certain outcome I'm not really surrendering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way in in the work that I do and it's like I I notice when things aren't going the way that I imagine them to be it's only because I'm the one who's like guiding us down a path that it doesn't want to go on and I learn so much about my life as well because I was like the thought of giving up or like um, surrendering even has a negative connotation and like battle and war and so I was conditioned with that Mm -hmm. and so there were so many areas of my life for so long that it was very clear that I was done with they weren't for me anymore it was time to move on but I just kept hanging on to things that weren't me because I was afraid of just letting go and now I practice that in like my daily life now. It's like, what are the things that I need to let go of right now? What am I resisting? Like when, when something shows up and it feels really hard, is this a hard that needs to be uh, leaned into? Or is this a hard that just like, no, this isn't right for me right now. And um, do you have uh, a practice for like telling the difference between those? Because when I signed up for you, I, I went through a lot of, uh, is this something I really want to lean into or is this something that's just not for me? Because I was feeling that resistance to doing it. And for me, it was very clear that this is just something I, I was afraid of yes. experiencing um, versus something that uh, maybe is just like out of alignment for them. You, you get the difference yes. of what I'm asking? Yes, uh, it's a very subtle one. And the way I see it is that when something is out of alignment, it's not as emotionally charged. You just feel like Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not really interesting. It's not really pulling you. It's not something that you you need to go to. But when you... when you feel there is like <laughs> bubbling stuff, <laughs> then that's usually something at least to look at. doesn't mean that you have to just do it literally exactly how mm-hmm. planned, but at least to there is something worth looking into. Yeah, that's a good point. Even just the acknowledgement that it might be something. You might not even have to go do the thing. Exactly. Even if you just acknowledge, oh, this is something that I'm avoiding. Yeah, I have I have really wild sexual fantasies and I don't make them all into reality and mm. just acknowledging them just to accepting that it's there this is what I want and it's like brings me a lot of different feelings fear excitement this this uh, and just acknowledging that it's there it's already amazing because just avoiding will not help because it will just grow stronger it will con- will just take my whole <laughs> life <laughs> if I just try to do everything to not look at it so similarly with like whatever 
really we feel like there is some charge for us mm -hmm. it's worth looking into it doesn't have to be taken exactly literally mm -hmm. but at least studying at least like diving like what is the symbolism of this mean what is this actually telling me what is like inquiring deeper understanding but if something is out of alignment it's usually it's just something that it's not as charged yeah. it just, just feels no no longer needed not yeah. interesting are there any of those sexual fantasies you feel safe sharing on here let's see or which pieces one. of them <laughs> <laughs> Which one I'd like? Well, I can Sorry. share something from uh, the past. I feel like it's really interesting, relevant to what we talk about. Um, I had a... Um, right now, it's not as active anymore because I worked through it. The fantasy of um, having public sex, like mm -hmm. being watched yeah. by people. And there was... I had a lot of shame around it, but there would be time when in my intimate interaction with someone would just right before the orgasm of fantasy would come up, I would fantasize of it and my orgasm would be at wilder. Mm. Like I would fantasize there are people looking at us yeah. and it would go wilder. And then I would feel so ashamed. Like, why am I with this person fantasizing of all the people around me? So I had this loop of shame. And finally, it was so much curiosity and desire to actually make it happen. So I thought, like, how can I make it safely? And then there was a play party mm -hmm. and um, I prepared for it. Like, and I really took my time like selecting the person who would explore it with me and finally there was this couple that was really attractive I had a beautiful connection and I decided to bring my spirit of self-inquiry into it because I didn't want to just make it interesting I already worked in with BDSM with clients and fantasies I know how it works if you like something then it becomes your addiction then you want it all the time because the normal thing doesn't satisfy you anymore mm -hmm. so I didn't want to go on that route either so I created an intention, like I want to go into this play. It's a safe space. This is the beautiful play space. This is a great couple. I feel good, good with them. But I want to understand what is there for me mm -hmm. about this fantasy. So I was really like self-aware mm -hmm. in this. So it went really beautifully. Like we were the first couple that was in the middle of the room. Like everyone was wearing like cocktail dresses and like suits and drinking champagne surrounding our bed and we were in the center so something felt really intimidating initially like so scary we're in the center everybody's looking what is something is ugly about me um but then like excitement took over and then it just transformed into like total like desire like sexuality play so the energy was super strong like when it was the guy and we were sitting on top of him she was on his face i was in his cock and we were like kissing each other it was like a triangle guy going yeah. around us it was incredible and then people look at us and people looked at us without judgment they were yeah. looking with admiration they were like part of it they were living the experience through us so it felt like the experience was shared by multiple people at the same time and therefore the feelings were really um, stronger was like really wild experience totally like e exaggerated like 10 times compared to what it would be without those people but then finally after some time really i guess same night or next morning something like this the inside came and i recognized where this whole idea came from for me so it wasn't just a pleasant experience of breaking through my fears and following my desires but also I recognized this moment when I was a child and I could not see any sexual interactions between my family because in Russia, oh you, know, you never yeah. show it. Mm -hmm. My parents also divorced early, so they would, know they would never show affection. Mm -hmm. So I never seen anything sexual affectionate until I was around seven years old. Mm -hmm. 
and my grandpa, my, my father was taking me from school and we saw a couple kissing on the street uh, and then he grabs me by the hands uh, and, oh, I, yeah. and I was looking at them they're like French kissing so beautiful like very beautiful affection and I was like admiring it mm -hmm. but he grabbed me by the hands and he's like don't look there this is disgusting people should not do this on a street so i had the split in my head because in my like wow it's beautiful, it's beautiful. connection and intimacy, then yeah. he that's how he said but he was my father he was like god from me so i had the split in my head that like that wanted to be integrated that wanted to be fixed like because my idea was this but then the society told me this and i didn't know what to do with this because i had a strong opinion imprinted by his opinion that doing something in public is bad, bad, yeah. bad. And then there, there was a desire to actually prove myself that yeah. my instinct is true, not what others tell me about it is true. Mm. And once I recognized it, like, yes, I just proved it. I went to this party, we had an incredible time. It was total bliss, light and love connection and all the beautiful, juicy feelings. Mm -hmm. I was absolutely nothing wrong about doing this in public. So I went like really wild mm -hmm. to prove myself that my feelings are what my instinct says is true, not what my family. So this is an example of how you can use sexual fantasies, not only for fun, but also to have a deeper understanding what exactly is the message underneath it. Mm -hmm. So this way now I'm really free from this fantasy. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer obsessed by it. I can still make it happen, but it's not important it's anymore. It's not like driving. It's, it's not, not always my driver. back there. Yeah. It's <laughs> not that I have to be with one partner and fantasize about other people. No, I can go deep in the intimacy with one person. And yet if the opportunity presents itself, I'm not against it either. So it gives like peace of mind and freedom to just welcome life as it flows. Yeah. And, and one of the things that um, I wanted to share, because I, I had a similar experience at a play party and being witnessed by others. And one of the things that, and the same thing happens in my work with emotional healing, is that it surprises people so much how accepting others are of them when they truly allow themselves to be themselves and, and to let those things out that they've been holding on to. And when a safe container is created, I think that's, why doing we were talking about groups being an edge i think doing some of these things in groups is so healing because there's something about being seen by another while you're being while you're being completely vulnerable and open and it's still um <laughs> it's funny it doesn't surprise me when i'm facilitating others in a group but when it's my edge yeah. i'm still surprised at how accepted i am every single time mm. I like go there and everyone's like, wow, thank you. Like, thank you for showing us that. Like, that was amazing. And, and it's not just words. I can actually feel it. Um, and so I, I just wanted to share that because yeah. I think so many people have that, um, that fear that if I let this piece of myself out, I'm not, I'm going to be judged. I'm not going to be accepted. People are going to think I'm weird or strange mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's becoming really great like time where we live because we are so the authenticity is trendy yeah <laughs> vulnerability it is, is trendy <laughs> it's literally the theme of the podcast <laughs> that's true and yeah. that's really great that we are entering this paradigm at least in the 
areas yeah. where we live, right? Yeah, exactly. Of course, there Our are circles, yeah. Circles mm -hmm. where it's not as accepted, but it seems like it's spreading. I can yeah. see the trend. I can feel how uh, BDSM how slowly becomes mainstream. Yeah. Like it's been decade of my explorations, and then now Fifty Shades of Grey and uh -huh. all the shamanatric spiritual aspects of kink, like all kinds of books about it, so it becomes more normalized so it's not such a big deal to share that you have this fantasy this desire and how now that nowadays that i do journeys uh and i'm really impressed and really touched by a lot of my clients who are just oh yes use my images mm -hmm. show it i am so proud to share what i do like testimonials like and that's like you sharing about your experience like people are coming up opening up and i don't hear any negative experience like that someone got judged or lost a job or got in relationship trouble like no it seems very accepted of course you have to present it in right. the ecological way that right. you you know especially if you are doing these journeys for self-discovery i think it's really relatively easy to say hey this was my journey this was my exploration this was my way to push my edges so i can become a better human so then why not so it's really incredible how nowadays society tends to become more acceptable and we are learning new patterns of behavior that actually when we let go when we honest when we are authentic we are loved when we are embraced we are we are accepted and when we are actually trying to be manipulative and trying to trick that's when things kind of go in the wrong way so it's nice nice to relearn because maybe our ancestors had to do it the other way to survive mm -hmm. but now things are changing it's yeah. really great to have this time when we can adjust and be different and learn these new ways of living. Yeah, you said something there, the, the word manipulative, uh, manipulative, that actually clicked for me when I was r r like really deep into my healing journey where I realized that by me showing up and pretending to be someone uh, just because I thought I should or is like what I thought they would want of me, that actually is a form of manipulation. And like when that hit me, it was like, oh wow i was like i'm i'm literally trying to control them through being this certain way even though it's for my own comfort but i'm literally mm -hmm. having an effect on them that's a very powerful breakthrough and i feel like many people start to grasp it same for me i was conditioned to be a very good girl mm -hmm. to be accommodating to be nice to always like um you know just boundary issues but then you just generally like just try to be nice, whatever it takes. And it all, it felt like that's a great thing. Why? Like, why would you want to be around someone who is not nice? I want to be a nice person so others can be nice to me. And it took me some time to recognize how manipulative that was, that actually me allowing my fire to break through, to actually get angry and nasty at times, is actually much more serves for the better than have this pretentious niceness and smile when I'm just trying to be nice but then why am i trying to be nice so that others can be nice to me yeah and then i could see like wow i'm trying to win love and approval mm -hmm. by showing up in this way by yeah. showing up in the my fake n niceness kindness mm -hmm. and, and then getting disappointed if some others don't give me the same kindness mm -hmm. so i could see this was like a form of manipulation as well it's such a painful breakthrough but powerful to see that look it's not so simple in life you would think you just be a nice person and then you get all the niceness back but it's not it's about being authentic even when you're not feeling nice mm -hmm. like yeah. being about aware and authentic that's really 
really hard thing for the mind to come in terms with. I, I had an experience just a couple days ago, and I was down in Miami with a friend, and um, this was almost 10 minutes apart when this happened, but we were sitting at dinner, we were having a great dinner, and um, we were inside, and this um, this homeless person came up, and they uh, we were like deep in, in conversation, eye-gazing, and they came up very aggressively and they like they were like give me some money and we're in a restaurant having a deep conversation and I turned to him so calmly and I said I said first of all no and I was like and I didn't appreciate how you just came in and interrupted us like that and he was taken aback by it and then not 10 minutes later um, we were walking home and we had some of the leftovers and and I was thinking to myself, I was like, I don't like to waste food, so I've got the leftovers. But I know we're gonna we're gonna have we have an abundance of food. And so I saw a homeless person, and I just asked them, and I said, Are are you hungry? And they're like, Yes, absolutely. And I gave it to them. And the contrast between that uh, was that w- by letting my fire out at that time, where I felt it was like inappropriate. I, I didn't subject myself to just giving money away because I thought it was the right thing to do or because they need it more. Like all those stories weren't present to me. I was just fully authentic in who I was. And it allowed me to be also genuine in giving that gift of the food to another person. And um, that was reflected back to me by the, the friend that I was with. And I didn't even notice it. I didn't even really mm-hmm. understand like what, what I had just done but that level of polarity I think is really really important that I actually started to tap into after our journey uh-huh. and we we talked a lot about fire like you said like when my journey was like there's a lot of fire there and a lot of fire that wants to come out and I've always felt that but I never felt safe in a container to fully let all that out it's very rare for me to fully let all that and since then I, I have had many opportunities and I've let it go like let it fly and it's so freeing to do so yes. and also i'm experiencing it as giving a gift to others as well um especially now that i'm i'm, I'm leading some people through some shibari experiences and That's some partners feedback. yeah <laughs> That's yeah so lovely it's interesting how we learn it sometimes maybe through our ancestors that our aggression can destroy things fire mm-hmm. this aggression this urge to break something it can destroy, it's, it's bad, it's evil, and then we repress it. And then comes the time where we are becoming aware that it's something is there in us that is repressed. And just by this awareness, we are creating the safe space for it to come up because it will not come up as something evil if we are letting it out with awareness. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of it. So it's not just blind, like raging anywhere, just uncontrollably, but just adding the element of awareness. And that's what's amazing about this practice because we can bring awareness to things that we have trapped in us. And then with this awareness, it, have a s- it has safety and it has proper kind of ecology for it to come out. So it comes out in the right way, in the right time, with the right place, with the right person. So then you can s- learn a new habit that uh, this fire is actually beautiful. It's yes, great. So, so of beautiful. course, it, some people would think that, no, it's just you can just then become an, this hysterical, angry person who will just spit it all over the place on anyone who is not even guilty. But just your awareness itself will bring the right circumstances, the right interactions, the right time, the right space for it to come out. Mm-hmm. 
and it's incredible. And speaking of polarities, I remember one of the uh, really unusual Osho meditation practices where we have to work through emotional polarities intentionally. And the first part of the exercise, you have to approach someone and you have to say, I hate you. Mm. And that's triggering to, yeah. to <laughs> say, to hear it. <laughs> but you do this for 15 minutes, just passing from one person to the other is saying, I hate you. And the second part of the exercise is saying them, I love you. And then you're so surprised how beautifully I love you comes out. You just uh -huh. really mean it with a total stranger. Love that. Like that, and that, that was a really shock for me because I didn't expect that this will influence it. Like you just say, I hate you, someone, and then you would say, I love you, and then you're so surprised mm. how it goes. And then, similar with tears and laughter, if you allow more, the another half of the exercise, you just provoke tears, you cry, and the other part is laughter. And then, laughter comes so alive, so <laughs> playful after yeah. crying. So and it's like an interesting interplay of polarities because at some point you realize that I hate you, I love you, tears and cry, but the true love, the true freedom is actually something that encompasses all of this. All of so that's really fascinating to see how going through polarity just brings aliveness, bring, brings more juice, brings more like feelings, creativity, all kinds of amazing things that we can do in the world, but the true freedom is actually the container that has it all mm. that allows for those things to be explored consciously mm -hmm. so that's another inspiration for me to have to offer such container for others because through my experience i become so it becomes really natural to me to be in this total state of acceptance and that's mm -hmm. why my journeys can be so powerful for others because this state of acceptance plus my technical skills yeah, <laughs> yeah. that also matter i don't want to kill anyone with my ropes <laughs> But this is what creates an opportunity to explore and see that, like, hey, even if you say I hate you, it's not an evil thing. In fact, mm. you will love stronger after you express your hatred. Yeah. Really powerful. I, I had w something come up for me as we were talking about polarity. Um, I, I know that um, I had a certain experience going through the journey. And is there any uh, commonalities between men and women that are just uh, you see repeated over and over again, and are there similarities that people wouldn't expect? As far as surrendering? Uh, yeah, as far as, like, the challenges that you see them coming to you with uh -huh. and, like, what they're there to, their intentions, what they're there to overcome or, or like, lean into, are there... I think the most common thing, it seems to be easier for women to feel emotions mm -hmm. because I feel it's because of conditioning, but for women sure. are more... Life is not like condition is not so harsh on us when it comes to being emotional. For men to express tears, it's uh, usually the very common challenge mm -hmm. to for a man to feel tears. For a woman, I feel like it's more about rage. Mm -hmm. It's harder. So that seems to be a common thing, but again, it's everyone is really different. So um, it's um, harder, harder to generalize. I feel like if there is one thing I would generalize, that would be yeah. So if someone is uh, listening to this and this has just like exploded their brain open with our conversation, <laughs> uh, where where can people start on this exploration journey? And, and you can take that anywhere you want to go. But like if if this is just completely out there for them, like where would you say is a good place to start? Yes, there are many ways. Of, it's amazing to have a like-minded partner that you can explore things with. So you can find 
right communities in your areas, I can also invite you to my online course. And this is also a great place to begin because uh, my decade-long experience of being a pro-dom, but also together with all the tantric knowledge that I have right now, this is the mix. And so this way you start from the basics, understanding well, what is BDSM is all about, what sexuality is, our shadow, uh, the psychology of it. So all kinds of practices that are available and I have lots of videos that show how to do those practices right so if you for example want to tie up your partner I have all kinds of examples that are not as technical because you'd be surprised you don't need so much technical knowledge to tie someone up right and there is not too much you have to learn to surrender right so I explain those things in the most simple terms in the simple ways showing lots of examples of different practices that you can use, going, to, going through a lot of different modalities of psychology so you can understand the roots, causes of your fantasy, so you can dive deeper and see, aha, this is where it started for me, this is what it means, this is how I can bring it to a bigger picture of my life how to communicate with your partner, how to find like-minded partner, verbal communication, nonverbal communication, designing the scene, structuring the scene, and finally going into spirituality, rituals, symbolism, consecration rituals, shamanic descent journey, shamanic ascent journeys, archetypes. There are Jungian archetypes, but there are also tantric archetypes, Shiva and Shakti, goddess Kali, the destroyer, and goddess Tara, the loving mother full of wisdom, the, and how to implement all of this into play. So I'm having lots of pride about this baby of Sounds mine. Sounds amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. So I feel like um, this can be a great avenue to learn yeah. things, even if you don't have a partner. Yeah. Because once you learn those things, first of all, you're already put in, in the universe that you would like to meet someone mm -hmm. to explore it with. And second, you learn, first of all, about yourself just yeah. through following my, the knowledge that I'm sharing with all the guided meditations there that are designed just for you to tap into yourself, your inner world. This is already like very precious, even if, even if you never explore it in reality, just learning, just taking the step into self-exploration is amazing. Yeah. And yet, so many great ways to explore it. You can definitely find communities. You can go to Fat Life. You can read books. Uh, Sacred Kink by Lee Harrington is one of the ones that really inspired me on the path. Uh, Jack Maureen, Erotic Mind is more like deeper dives into psychology and understanding the roots of our erotic blueprints. Um, and just being playful with your partner. Why not mm. just explore, expose your fantasies, go, go for it, try it out. Don't take it so seriously. Yeah, a lot of people think it, take it so seriously. What if I fail? <laughs> what if I do it in the wrong way? What if I mess it up? No, ask your partner for permission and just do it and take it easier, take it light, take it playful. It's designed to be playful, not something that an ordeal to <laughs> overcome. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something I've still fall into is the, like the seriousness of it and getting it right. There's no right. It's just let it go and let it flow. No, yeah. there is time to be serious maybe when you are conducting a deep journey for mm -hmm. someone. Yes. Like the journeys I offer, you know, I take a lot of responsibility for it because it's a uh, pretty edgy play when you're doing upside down suspension, but you don't. It's like being an opera singer versus singing in your shower, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, when you're opera singer, you take a lot of time to prepare. Yeah. But when you are just want to sing for fun, for the joy of it, you just take a guitar by the fire or go to the shower and just sing. So similarly with uh, sexuality and kinky explorations, if unless you're taking it to some really extreme advanced level, uh, it, this is all playfulness. Mm. Just do something light and easy, fun, and just play with this. I love that. <laughs>
And where can where can people find out about your course? Underline.world. Underline.world. Love it. Very easy. <laughs> Love it. And what about just you in general? Uh, vulnerabilitycoaching.com. This is about m what my personal offerings, my one-on-one -on -one journeys, and as well as different group practices that sometimes I offer. Beautiful. I'm going more into group dynamics, and I'm really hopeful to educate more so I could share more to people so they can practice it on yourself because very often you get stuck in the idea that some professional has to come to you and do it right way otherwise you cannot and it's also been my limiting belief by the way I that's the recent limiting belief I overcame through this NLP course that I took that uh, there has to be someone stronger than me to hold mm. the container for my vulnerable places and therefore I wouldn't go into my shadow work because I would think that there has to be somebody who is so good so professional so upscale like in so many levels yeah. and actually I learned that wow first of all there is so much I can do with myself and I can do with those who are close to me you don't have to expect some superpower supernatural abilities so therefore i also want to uh, share it with others that look you can learn some things that are so easy so quick that you can have such a depth and intimacy so easily with those that you already have around you that you don't need to wait for someone shamanatrix to <laughs> come and <laughs> give you superpowers like no it's actually more simple than you think so yeah. i'm really thrilled to share more skills with others so others can facilitate experience whether personally professionally because i feel like the world needs such containers yeah i absolutely absolutely agree and i haven't taken your course yet but i will and um <laughs> but i have experienced you one-on-one -on -one. and for anyone listening that has any curiosity about that i highly highly encourage you to thank check you. out rena thank you so much thank for you. this conversation this was exceeded all expectations i didn't have any but this was amazing i love talking about things that i love yeah it's it's very clear uh, i have no idea how long time passed but this was Didn't perfect yeah time flew. <laughs> uh, i have one last question before we go um what does vulnerability mean to you just being myself mm -hmm. just when you can be raw and honest and just being human being like very authentic in your humanness in this very moment that's what it is but it does take time to get get there in a way because we are so conditioned not to be ourselves thank you <laughs> thank you I appreciate you thank you and that's it. <laughs>